Welcome back to our podcast, which we call Busting Addiction and the Myths That Surround It. This podcast is sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we offer clients a life-changing experience in the perfect environment for recovery. And it's closer than you think. Just visit safehouserehab.com to learn more. My name is Bruno J. And here's why I created this podcast. It's getting crazier and more deadly than we could have ever imagined just 10 years ago with opioids and now fentanyl, which is 100 times more potent than heroin. A while ago, I noticed that there was no podcast dedicated solely to talking to that one super important group without whom many addicts would never make it. And I realized then that I had the ammo to blow up some of these myths so that nothing but the truth survived. So if you love an addict or alcoholic and you feel like your loved one is sucking the oxygen out of your life, then this podcast is for you. If your loved one is driving you crazy and stealing your money, your peace of mind and your sanity, this podcast is for you. And if you're feeling rage and shame and your self-esteem has been flushed down the tubes, this podcast is for you too. This is episode four, where we catch up on what we've learned so far and bust a few more myths. So let's start with why do we title our podcast Busting Addiction and Its Myths. Our goal for the families and loved ones of an addict and or alcoholic is to get you into a position to bust the addiction, that is to help the addict see the light or better yet, to feel the heat so that they can come to grips with their progressive and potentially fatal disease and to arrest it before it can do further damage. And while you're working toward that goal, we want to help you get some peace of mind and to gain a realistic understanding of what is possible and what's a pipe dream. In order to get there, you'll have to abandon some cherished myths to bust your own addiction to an opinion that hasn't served you well so far and perhaps has caused you needless heartache to boot. Hence the part where we say we not only want to help you bust addiction, we need to help you bust the myths that surround this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. If you're tuning into this episode number four and you think you've missed a whole lot, not to worry. Just like those real-life crime shows where they recap the plot after every commercial break, we'll recap the plot here by way of summarizing the key points that showed up at the end of episodes one, two, and three. So in summary, what have we learned so far that can best help the family and loved one of an addict or alcoholic understand what's really going on? One, Relapses are almost to be expected, which is kind of cruel but true. The fact is that 95% of addicts that finally make it to long-term sobriety have done so after several tries. If your loved one relapses, join the club. You are not alone. And that should be of some comfort at least. Number two, it is understandable if you get bummed out or discouraged, enraged, or resentful of your loved one as your addict relapses. On the other hand, at least he gave it a shot, and that alone should encourage you to try again sooner rather than later, knowing that there are typically several tries before the addict gets it right. Number three, addicts play the deflection game, which means he attacks you for any silly reason, blaming you for something that doesn't make any sense at all, and when you start to defend yourself, he makes his getaway, so don't fall for it. Call him on his bluff and let him know that you know what he's doing without flying into a rage yourself. Number four, and this is very fundamental, and it's critical to your peace of mind, 
It was to embrace this fundamental idea. You didn't cause the addiction. You can't control it, even when you think you can, and you sure as heck can't cure it. Those are essential words on the wall of almost every Al-Anon recovery meeting the families of alcoholics attend to support each other. Surrender to that truth with all your heart. You will find freedom and surrender, trust me. Number five, the addict doesn't see the addiction as the problem. He sees you as the problem and drugs and alcohol as the solution. You only get in the way. That's why you're the problem. So his perception of you as the problem is disguised as anger attached to some made-up issue, perhaps just to cause a fight so he can stomp off and get drunk or use or both. This is crazy, but it happens all the time. Six, the idea that an addict will only accept help when he hits bottom is a terrible idea. And it's got you standing by while the addiction runs through your family like a freight train. The real question is, what will it take to get them ready? It's not about the addict seeing the light. It's about the addict feeling the heat. If you are ready to address intervention, then read Love First by Jeff and Deborah J, A Family's Guide to Intervention, and read all of it, please. There is a whole lot more to it than you realize right now. Number seven, in order for addiction to be treated successfully, it must be treated as the primary disorder, as the cause of mental and behavioral problems, not as the result. Loved ones who believe the reverse, that is, treat the so-called cause, depression, trauma, anxiety first, have got the cart before the horse. Number eight, addicts, alcoholics, when they aren't ready to quit, are very slick and will do anything to protect their ability to use or drink, including lie to professionals. Although they may admit to some drug use or to some drinking, they will rarely, if ever, tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In this case, denial, D-E-N-I-A-L, stands for don't even notice I am lying. Number nine, if you decide to seek professional help for your loved one, find a professional who is trained in addictive disorder, someone who is an AODA, alcohol or drug addiction, psychiatrist or counselor. At least that way, the professional will ask the right questions and is way less likely to be fooled by any rope-a-dope. Number 10. You'll no longer be puzzled by the irrational, unpredictable, and irresponsible behavior of your addict when you realize that he or she is operating with a damaged brain which is simply incapable of making good decisions. The addict is not suffering from moral failing. He is suffering from a progressive disorder which only ever gets worse unless arrested in its tracks. Number 11. The family and loved one of an addict needs to radically change the way they think about addiction before they get ready to intervene in a way that has any chance of success. That's why we at Safe House Rehab Thailand are committed to helping you make an informed decision at this critical crossroads in your life. That's the basic purpose driving this podcast, which is why we call it Busting Addiction and Its Myths. You know, it's amazing what people will believe when they're desperate. We've all heard about parents going to visit a medicine man in a faraway village high in the mountains in order to cure their child's cancer with magical chants and exotic herbs. Our our hearts go out to these people, these loving parents. Or they may subject their loved one to unproven, even dangerous treatments with new drugs not approved or even disproved by the authorities in their home countries. The same is true of, of any attitude. The same is true of an attitude that many people would take when they're confronted with addictive disorder under their own roofs. 
surely there has to be an easier, softer, magical way to not only arrest addiction, but to actually cure it. It's amazing how much disinformation there is out there about what to do about addiction or alcoholism. People want the easy answer. You know, we don't blame them. So they might believe that a new diet guru will do the trick or that it's just a lifestyle choice or that it's caused by stress and the addict just needs to change his or her environment. Because the answers are tough to face and because families are desperate, never having seen anything like this in their lives before, and because an addicted loved one brings shame unto their family, yes, even today, they are willing at times to believe the most errant nonsense conveyed by people who have no genuine insight or experience with this disease. Alcoholism and drug addiction are not problems you or society can hide from, and quite honestly, the societal problem is way out in the open. The opioid crisis, fueled now by fentanyl, which is a hundred times more powerful than heroin, is in the news daily, responsible for taking 130 lives in the U.S. every day, while drunken drivers killed the majority of the 36,000 people who died on the streets and highways of the USA last year. So while society at large is well aware of the problem, families still live with the notion that it just can't be so in my family. Or they are at the other end in the complete panic about the chaos and desperate turn their lives have taken, or they're somewhere in between. It doesn't have to be that way, and not at all. Not on your life. I hope this podcast helps you understand that we know a lot about addictive disease, because that's what we do. We help families of addicts and alcoholics make informed decisions what they should and shouldn't do to help the addict ultimately to recover. We're here to answer any question. We mean any question you may have about addiction or anything that you could do at this critical time in your life. Just email us at info at safehouserehab.com or visit us at safehouserehab.com or call the number that's listed on your website based on the country from which you are calling. We're here for you 24-7. Most of what people need to know about addiction and alcoholism is already researched and published by the best and most respected experts. Although they cannot tell you what to do in your specific case, that is for you to decide, they can tell us everything we need to know about the disease state and treatments based on hundreds of studies and thousands of subjects. These official definitions come from the National Institute on Drug Abuse and Alcoholism, NIAAA, and the National Institute on Drug Addiction, NIDA, both bodies are part of the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, which funds these two and 25 other separate research institutes. This may sound a little boring to you, but we might as well get the straight dope about both diseases from people who know more about this topic than anyone anywhere. Is that fair? So addiction is defined by NIDA as a chronic relapsing disorder characterized by compulsive drug-seeking, continued use despite harmful consequences, and long-lasting changes in the brain. Here's the clincher of this definition. According to NIDA, NIDA, it is considered both a complex brain disorder and a mental illness. That's an open and shut case. The NIAAA defines alcoholism this way. Problem drinking that becomes severe is given the medical term alcohol use disorder, or AUD, or alcoholism. It is a chronic relapsing brain disease characterized by compulsive alcohol use, loss of control over alcohol intake, and a negative emotional state when not using. 
Okay, so what do these independently arrived at definitions have in common? They are both diseases of the brain. They are both chronic. That means having a long duration when speaking medically. They are both relapsing. That means return of a disease after apparent recovery. They are both compulsive. A compulsion is defined as an irresistible impulse to perform an act, especially one that is irrational or contrary to one's will. I've saved the best for last here. Compulsive is a killer. That means that even when I don't think I should, or don't really want to, the disorder is so powerful that I will perform an act over and over and over that is irrational, contrary to my will, and harmful in the extreme. That kind of blows up the just say no theory to hell, doesn't it? It destroys the myth of willpower. It helps explain why addicts won't listen to reason. It helps explain why alcoholics drive drunk over and over, heedless to their menace to society. And it tells you why women sell themselves where their children at home are taken from them. And why you suffer the direct and indirect consequences of addiction and shake your head and say, why is this so in my family? We had a great future, didn't we? It's such a vicious, heartbreaking disease, but it is a disease and there's no other explanation. Addicts and alcoholics wake up and get clean a variety of ways. I don't think there's any hard data on this, but there may be. So here are the many ways that I've observed and, and read about addicts and alcoholics that do wake up, at least the first time. Here's one way. The spouse throws the addict or alky out of the house and or threatens to leave unless the addict gets help. His spouse or family gets him into treatment or pushes him to a 12-step meeting. Another way is the addict is fired or is threatened to be fired from his job, sometimes even an executive position, and he's encouraged to get treatment and has provided information on how to get it. This is what happened to me. The addict alcoholic is arrested for the umpteenth impaired driving offense and is court-ordered into treatment or a 12-step meeting. They have to get signed proof of each 12-step meeting and group therapy session that they attend by an officer of the meeting or group. I've signed many of these in my time. I remember sponsoring a guy who had, <laughs> who had committed a sixth impaired driving offense, and I visited him, visited him in the Milwaukee County Correctional Facility almost every Thursday for nine months. True story. This was the best treatment for me that I could think of. There but for the grace of God go I was my thought every time I saw good old Billy. But he's still sober seven years later because he needed that as a reminder of next time you'll do even more time if you survive this time. Here's another scenario. The addict is arrested for another crime related to drug abuse, possession, dealing, robbery, or other violent crime, and it suggests he better get help or he'll do even more time next time. I have found that police and judges actually have a sympathetic view of addiction and that they're more likely to want to help as opposed to punish. It costs a lot more to incarcerate an addict than it does to treat an addict. Finally, the family conducts a formal intervention with or without the help of a professional. But that takes education, preparation, teamwork, rehearsal, and a commitment to follow through all the way, including consequences if the addict doesn't take up the family on the offer of treatment right now. I will discuss intervention in detail in an upcoming episode. I think it's also worth mentioning that even the medical profession, as represented by the major association, 
still insists, get this, that the primary care physician can treat addiction as he or she would treat any disease. I'm not buying that for a moment. I'm not buying it if the physician has no training in alcohol or drug addiction. I made that point in a previous episode of this podcast. Let's bust another myth. This myth says that treatment doesn't work or that recovery 12-step programs don't work. That's like blaming the gym if you're out of shape. If you make the personal commitment to do the work required and continue to do the work required, the odds are very, very good that you will achieve a clean and sober life over the long term. The problem is that since relapses are characteristic of addictive disorder, it means that addicts have to try and fail and try and fail before they get it right. And this is, quote, typical. Therefore, treatment and 12-step programs are seen as not working because they don't, they don't have a 100% success rate right out of the gate. Here's what we found at Safe House Rehab Thailand. Our core client is a mid-30s or 40s male professional who's been in treatment before but has relapsed more than once. His challenge is what he does after treatment, not necessarily what he does in treatment. If treatment gets him to become honest with himself and he starts to correct his self-defeating behavior and thinking, his focus then must be what he must do once he leaves to re-enter the real real world with all the usual stresses and triggers. If he creates, with our help, and enacts the right plan with our help for a structured recovery that includes other recovering people, a support system that includes, yes, 12-step meetings, highly recommended, and a sponsor, and does the reading and the usual healthy rituals such as fitness and reintegration into society as a good citizen, his odds are really, really good. If he doesn't, well, good luck, and we may see you back for another try, or sadly, perhaps not. So what did we cover in this episode number four? Number one, Addiction and alcoholism are recognized by the leading scientists in the USA and and we're sure other countries as well as chronic relapsing diseases of the brain causing compulsive using behavior and loss of control over intake despite harmful long-term consequences. Addiction is considered a mental illness while alcoholism results in a negative emotional state when not using. Here's a little sidebar. Other authorities do see alcoholism as a mental illness if they consider alcohol as a drug. It is a depressant as a class of drug. Number two, the main takeaway for me is that addiction is compulsive so that when my addiction is activated, I've completely lost the power of choice and I will perform a harmful act over and over that's irrational and contrary to my will. There go all the theories of it being a moral failing or the power of will. Just say no is a false promise. Three, there are many different ways that addicts decide that they need to throw in the towel, and every one of them is not about the addict seeing the light, but rather about the addict feeling the heat. Saying that treatment or 12-step programs don't work is like blaming the gym if you're out of shape. We say you have to make the commitment and do the work for you to have any chance of long-term success. And finally, number five, long-term success and recovery is more about what the addict does after he leaves treatment than the fact that he went into treatment, which may last up to 90 days or perhaps longer. Recovery is a lifetime commitment. It requires daily maintenance of one's mental and emotional condition, including, we recommend highly, becoming part of a 12-step recovery fellowship.
The Busting Addiction and the Myths That Surrounded podcast is brought to you by the caring professionals at Safe House Rehab Thailand, who offer clients a life-changing experience in the perfect environment for recovery. Just ask us any question, we mean any question, at info at safehouserehab.com, and we may use it on the air with your permission, of course, or visit us at safehouserehab.com. We want to help you make an informed decision for yourself and your loved one at this very important time in your family's life. So tune in next week for the next episode of Busting Addiction and the Myths That Travel With It. And we'll see you next time.